I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Well, this is it. We're less than one week away from the biggest rematch of the year, Mayhem, the Floyd Mayweather-Marcos Maidana rematch. A lot is riding on this fight for both fighters, and it's obviously what everyone's going to be talking about leading up to and even after the fight. So we got to talk about this as quickly as possible and go over last night's all-access. But first, let's talk about some other stuff. Former welterweight title holder Andre Berto scored his first victory in three years last night with a very tough fight against Steve Chambers that uh, went the full 10-round distance. Uh, Andre Berto, in my opinion, I don't see him going down as a great fighter, but at the same time, very entertaining. I can't say that I've ever seen a really boring Andre Berto fight. And he, he's really fun to watch. But um, last night, yeah, goes in against uh, Steve Chambers, or Steve Upshur Chambers. And um, yeah, won uh, 99 to 91 on all three of the judges' scorecards. But at the same time, he got tagged a few times and uh, his eyes started to puff up. Some were saying, like, I didn't see the fight live. I had to uh, watch this stuff later because I can't afford Showtime, but um, some people were saying that Upshur, you know, was actually getting a better going of Berto than what the official scores reflected, but it doesn't matter. Berto won. Um, who's next for him at this point? Not sure. He's probably not sure either, but at the same time, good for him. First win in three years. Former junior welterweight titleist uh, Lucas Matisse scored another KO victory last night. However, this one was a bit controversial because his opponent, Roberto Ortiz, who was uh, undefeated in 31 fights, he got dropped by a body shot in the second round. Uh, Referee Benji Estevez is making the count, and just as Ortiz gets up, Estevez waves the fight off. Now... Uh, people said, oh, you know, he kind of got up too late, but I watched the fight. Or, sorry, again, didn't watch these fights live, but I'm watching it. And I said, he got up in time. Th- that that was like nine and a half. It, you don't round to the nearest whole number in your count. You just go nine, ten, like that. Not, not, oh, no, 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 you're done, you're done. I'm going to play the count for you, actually, right now. But Matisse really controlling this round by pushing it over. Oh, I'm just going to say a good body shot. Ortiz there, you guys. He looks like he was waiting. He was getting up at nine, and what do you think, Paulin? I mean, he was getting up at nine, but uh, listen, you want you don't want to cut it close. A body shot is hard to recover sure. from, man. A body shot, you need every second you can get to recover from that thing, because you're about to go back into action with very little oxygen. Having said that, he got up. <laughs> if it's close, let him continue and wow. see what he does. You can always stop it a few seconds later if he doesn't react. He obviously wants to fight. We're in round two, not ten. You could even hear it in the Showtime crew. Uh, they were kind of like, wait, what? That they, they, You could tell that they wanted to say, no, he didn't 
that wasn't a full count. And Pauly Malignaggi, once again, one of the best in the game on commentary. He said, you know, you want to take every second. And I know that too. I've been hit with body shots. They hurt like an SOB. And, uh, yeah, at the same time, if, uh, if Ortiz was going to be hurt anymore, then you stop it right there. But come on, it, it, I watched that again and again, and I just thought, no, Benji Estevez screwed up. He screwed up big time. And uh, obviously, Ortiz uh, thinks that Estevez screwed up. He uh, he said uh, to Jim Gray after the fight, I thought I was up by nine. He definitely hit me with a good shot, but I was up at nine. I could have gotten up at seven. I was just milking the time to recover. I was ready for the fight. And... Uh, you know, sadly, he didn't get that chance. And Estevez, strangely enough, refused to speak to Showtime after the matchup. I, now, come on. Why can't you speak to them? What's the harm in doing that? What's the harm in saying no? Like, I'm going to explain my reasons why I stopped the fight. Or, you know, I'll look at the instant replay and say, no, 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 I'm right, you're not. Or, you know, get a chance to say, okay, you know, maybe I did make a mistake. I, I wish these referees would have a, a bit more courage when trying to justify their decisions. Uh, after the fight, Lucas Matisse said that he wanted a rematch with uh, Danny Garcia. He said, quote, I challenged Danny Garcia to not be a chicken. Stop fighting little fighters. Come and fight me. Now, obviously, he's referring to the uh, the mismatch between Garcia and Rod Salka last month. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice if uh, Garcia fought actual credible opponents. But I'm not sure if Matisse is the right one right now. I mean, their first fight was just under a year ago at this point. I mean, it'll be a year technically uh, this uh, Sunday or whatever. But... I don't know. Maybe we should just wait a bit longer, let Matisse get some better victories, some without controversy, and then work towards a rematch with Danny Garcia. But who knows if that's even going to happen, because Garcia might be moving up to 147 pounds. So we're going to have to wait and see. Moving on. People really don't like Adrian Broner, and they're not afraid to admit it, which is good for them. But... At the same time, they can't deny that, you know, he does. He is good at what he does. And he showed that last night in a tougher-than-most-people-might-have-expected fight against Emmanuel Taylor over 12 rounds. Uh, again, I'm covering the fight on Twitter. And by that, I mean I'm just wa reading everybody else's tweets and maybe making a snarky comment once in a while. But uh, Taylor was uh, getting some good rounds in against Broner, uh, and people were starting to, uh, kind of, you know, you, you can tell by the way some people are typing, it's like, okay, they're, they're hoping for an upset, they're like, come on, Taylor, I'm gonna pretend I'm neutral, but come on, Taylor, kick his ass, but, uh, uh, Broner was, uh, able to, uh, adjust, and in the 12th round, he, uh, landed a really good left hook that dropped Taylor, and he was able to win a unanimous decision. After the fight, uh, Broner revealed that he uh, wants Lucas Matisse as his next opponent. That's an interesting matchup. 
That really is. I, I think that's a classic boxer versus puncher fight. And uh, how about the winner of that fight gets Danny Garcia? Because Danny Garcia versus Adrian Broner would be very interesting, mostly because of the trash talk that Angel Garcia and uh, Adrian Broner would be giving each other back and forth during the lead-up to the fight. It, it'd be great, and... Also, a lot of people would, wouldn't mind seeing either one of those guys lose. They really wouldn't. Uh, that That's a fight that uh, really... Uh, I, I really hope that can be made for sometime early next year. Moving on. Okay, let's talk about Adonis Stevenson. At the end of the year 2013, the world was this guy's oyster. It really was. He had had a phenomenal freaking year. He had gotten revenge against Darnell Boone, the only man to beat him. He knocked out the light heavyweight champion of the world, Chad Dawson, with one punch and ascended to superstardom. He outboxed and humiliated Tavoris Cloud, and uh, he was able to conquer a tougher-than-expected Tony Bellew. Now in the year 2014... The oyster has turned into a rancid scallop for Adonis Stevenson. Now, granted, he did win a wide unanimous decision in his last last fight against Andre Fonfara in a fight that uh, he even got knocked down himself. I think he uh, knocked Fonfara down twice in that fight, but uh, somewhere in the fight he was able to uh, get knocked down himself. And uh, he got up, he was able to recover, but... Since then, it hasn't been the best time for Adonis Stevenson. Uh, he kind of blew it by uh, signing with Al Heyman, jumping ship to Showtime, and, uh, you know, everybody was saying, oh, he's uh, ducking uh, Sergey Kovalev. That's why he went to Showtime, so that he can fight Bernard Hopkins. But now, Hopkins is fighting Kovalev, and th that fight's happening on HBO. And now, Stevenson, here we are in uh, early September, he doesn't have a fight lined up for the rest of the year. He's had only one fight this year compared to the four he had last year. That's... Ugh, that's not really great. I mean, come on. You, you, I, I understand that you want to take it a bit easier now. You're older, and you've got that light heavyweight championship. But... You, you can't have two fights a year? I, I really don't understand it. And there's really nobody out there for him to face right now. Except Jean Pascal. And Pascal is letting Adonis Stevenson know, Hey, how about you and I fight in Montreal? That'd be a huge fight. That might be one of the biggest fights in Montreal history. And uh, Pascal in his last fight this past January won uh of one of the biggest fights in Montreal history when he fought Lucien Boutet. And uh, that was really good because uh, Pascal was uh, easily outclassing Boutet. And then, as you recall, Boutet was really rallying in the 12th round. But uh, Pascal held on. He won. And now he wants Adonis Stevenson. Now, I haven't seen the uh, fight on YouTube, but apparently these two fought as amateurs back in 2003. I haven't seen the fight. I don't know who won, but uh, 
obviously they uh well one of them wants to fight again and that's pascal team uh stevenson did say that oh yeah we'll make the fight but uh we want the purse split to be 70 30. oh okay um damn i'm not a boxing manager i am just a commentator but 70 30 that is freaking ridiculous I know that Adonis Stevenson's the champion and all, but at the same time, Pascal's a bit of a star himself. He was the former light heavyweight champion of the world. He was the first guy to beat Chad Dawson uh, in a fight that not a lot of people were betting on Pascal. 70-30, that, oh, that is, uh, that is not, that is not cool at all. Uh, in fact, uh, I think it was uh, Pascal's uh, promoters and uh, their their team. They pulled a bunch of uh, American sports writers and asked uh, if seventy thirty was right or not, or if it should be a fifty fifty revenue split. And a lot of people said yes. Some were saying no. It should be fifty to forty nine for Stevenson or uh, fifty five to forty five for Stevenson. But uh, seventy to thirty. That's that's nuts. I mean, how about... I, I think 55-45 is uh, a better split. But... Uh, uh, Jean Pascal, he is really letting Donna Stevenson have it on social media. Almost every post that... Uh, or every tweet that he puts out is calling out Stevenson saying that he's ducking him. And everybody... He's retweeting everybody that's agreeing with him, and there are a lot of people who are doing that. Stevenson, he's not really doing anything. All he's doing is just, you know, photos of him at the beach or training. He's got nothing lined up. Why not make this fight? It makes so much sense. I don't get it. And I like Adonis Stevenson. I know that a majority of people kind of don't like him because of his past, because of the whole pimping thing. You know what? That was in the past. You got to move on. But at the same time, he's not doing himself any favors by, you know, he avoided the fight with Kovalev. The fight with Hopkins isn't happening now. And if he's not making a fight with Pascal, oh, come on. What are you doing for the fans? I mean, everybody, they, they want to sign with Al Heyman so that they can, you know, make the big money like uh, Floyd Mayweather does. But, you know... So, sometimes the big money's not worth it if everybody hates you. I mean, granted, everybody hates Floyd, but at the same time, Heyman's not doing Stevenson any favors. He he really isn't. So, um, uh, I really hope that a fight between Stevenson and Pascal could be made for sometime before the end of the year or sometime early next year. That's a fight that really needs to happen in Quebec. You know, Montreal, Quebec City, wherever. So long as it happens in the province of Quebec. Let's make that happen, please. And now this is the part of the podcast you've all been patiently waiting for. Um, I apologize a million times for not covering last week's All Access. I, uh, I can't remember the last time I didn't cover one. Like, I, I don't usually don't do the epilogues, but, um, 
yeah, I don't know why I didn't do it, but I've made it right. I'm going to cover this one as best I can. I'm going to give you my prediction for the fight as well as Justin Salvato's prediction. Uh, we tried to do a joint podcast uh, like we did for the first Maidana fight. But, uh, yeah, it, it just because of scheduling difficulties, we couldn't make it happen. But Justin was able to email me his prediction for the main event. So we'll get to that later. Let's get into All Access. So the episode opens with Floyd Mayweather doing one of his usual late-night workouts. Twelve miles south of the Las Vegas Strip, the pound-for-pound king has assembled his loyal subjects. Midnight. Midnight run. Midnight. Hey, I'm coming to you, All Access. I'm coming to you. Here I come. Blood, sweat, and tears. I'm coming. While most fighters are sleeping, Floyd is working. His legs and his mouth. Pressing. Pressing, champ. Fiesta forever. <laughs> I'm not on a schedule. My job is boxing. Fiesta forever. I bust my, I work my heart out to be my own boss, to make my own moves. So Floyd does his run and then he goes for a bike ride. It's kind of, you, you, I, I'm watching and I'm thinking, oh, that's it. We're just going to show, uh, Floyd doing some road work karaoke and then he goes for a bike and that a bike ride and that's it okay so uh that's when we transition to the uh, Maidana camp and what they're doing to help improve him for the rematch while Floyd is nocturnal Marcos Maidana is an early riser his diet is being managed by a personal chef part of an effort to improve his conditioning for the rematch I'm glad that they realize that his conditioning needs improving because in the first fight, I, I'm watching it and it was a very exciting fight. And I'm thinking at, at some points, like Maidana's kind of slowing down. And I thought, oh no, he, he's kind of outpunched himself. Like he, he needs to get a second wind or, you, you know, obviously he didn't win, but still it, it would have been a lot more exciting. Egg whites for breakfast, a weighted vest for the morning run. This time, everything is exactly calibrated for Marcos Maidana. With a new strength and conditioning regimen, Maidana's camp believes the difference will be in the details. In the first fight, I think we made the mistake of bringing him in too heavy. His punches weren't as fast, weren't as crisp. I think Maidana slowed down a lot. As an outsider like me, it's very hard to understand how... And I'm not doubting Robert Garcia at all. I'm not saying, oh, you're full of crap when you're saying this. I... Because Maidana came into the first Mayweather fight at 146 and a half pounds. So, I mean, you're half a pound under the welterweight limit. Was that really too heavy? I mean, because you don't exactly want to have him come in too light. Otherwise, you know, you risk the chance that he's weight drained. And for the uh, fight against Adrian Broner, where uh, obviously Marcos Maidana was at his best, he came in at 146 and one quarter pounds. So is that little bit of uh, weight really going to make the difference? Again, I don't know. I I just would like some clarification of some kind. Maidana's strength and conditioning uh, trainer even agrees that, you know, you looked good for five or six rounds, but afterwards... He slowed down, and that's what makes the difference between great fighters and great champions. 
And now we're going to examine the history of Oxnard, California and how it kind of uh, revolves around the Garcia family in terms of boxing anyway. Oxnard, California. It's a boxing town. But how it got that way is a family side. If Robert Garcia was a local hero, the man who made him that was his father. A former field worker who trained his sons to be fighters, Eduardo Garcia has been a familiar face of late, helping Maidana get ready for the rematch. The first thing my dad did when he got home after work was pick me up to go to the gym. For him, it was boxing, boxing, boxing. But if it wouldn't have been like that, I wouldn't have become a world champion and I wouldn't have what I have right now. The House of Garcia has dedicated itself to one purpose, defeating Floyd Mayweather. And uh, in the gym at Robert Garcia's boxing gym, there's a cardboard cutout or a standee of Floyd Mayweather, and uh, they've taped X's over his eyes and over his mouth, and they also wrote on the body, I think it was 45 and two. Because you know how for every fight, Floyd, like, uh, there's a poster of the fight in his gym, and he'll have somebody, like, cross out the other guy. So, more or less, Robert Garcia and his team are saying, anything you can do, I can do better. So, Robert Garcia's brother, Mikey, who is an undefeated super featherweight champion, he's uh, getting in the ring to spar with Maidana. And, obviously, they don't show the whole thing, but at the same time, it looks like Maidana's doing good work. Maybe maybe last time he um it's a lesson taking it a little easier on me or something because I definitely feel him a lot stronger this time. I think he's more confident himself also. So then we transition to sparring at the Mayweather boxing gym, except Floyd's not sparring. In fact, it doesn't even look like he's training or like I don't know. Maybe this is after a workout and he's changed into his street clothes, but. We're watching other people sparring. I'll, I'll let the episode explain. No day is the same in the Mayweather Boxing Club. All right, time, time. That's one round. Get your ass in here, bro. It's going to be a seven-minute round. Now, the first one was a five. So we're going to let him take a longer breathing so he can take a longer breathing. We got you. It's tough competition. It could go either way. And as you see a second later, uh, one of the guys sparring, he gets knocked down, and Floyd, he's kind of being referee or something, but the guy's trying to get up, and Floyd's doing this dance in front of him, like he's pretending, oh, I got wobble too, oh, I can't stay on my feet. It's about pushing these fighters to the limit. And when we say push it to the limit, we truly believe there's no limit. It's called the doghouse. Where Mayweather presides as Lord of the Realm, matchmaker and provocateur. Honestly, you should be so much. Oh, you got no place in here. Nobody's with my Amateur prospect Donovan Cameron has come all the way from Manchester, England to impress Floyd. He's challenged Ishe Smith, but Ishe, a longtime pro, isn't impressed. In Ishe's place, 18-year-old Sharif Rockman, son of former heavyweight champ Hasim Rockman, has volunteered. The doghouse. The rules are you fight to whoever quits. This sounds like human cockfighting to some, but okay. Truth be told, 
It's entertaining, this part of the episode, but it has nothing to do with anything. It really doesn't. So, here's what happens. Donovan Cameron more or less kicks Sharif Rahman's ass. Then all of a sudden, Rahman's older brother, Hasim Rahman Jr., and Rahman's mom show up. It's kind of almost like... I want to see the deleted scene where Sharif gets on his cell phone, calls his brother and his mommy and says, Some British dude beat me up. Please come to the gym and beat him up for me. Now, Donovan Cameron could have said, Oh no, I've already beat up one uh, Rachman today. I don't need to beat up two. But no, he says, all right, fine. You know, even though I'm in my street clothes, I'll get back into my gym gear and we'll fight. And they do fight for 31 minutes straight. And it's funny because they both look like they're having their good moments. Uh, Haseem Jr. at one point even gets knocked out of the ring, like father, like son. And, you know, after 31 minutes, Haseem Jr. is declared the winner. They don't really show how. They just show a bunch of people in the ring with Haseem Jr. with his arms raised and they're all cheering. And who gives a crap about this? Let's move on to something else. So, we uh, watch Maidana and he and his wife are actually at a boxing event in California watching Maidana's brother Fabian in his uh, second pro fight. And they don't show a lot of it, but... Fabian gets off some very good combinations. They look crisp. They look like they hurt. And uh, he stops his opponent in the second round. So, you know, he looks good. Uh, that's all I can really say. So after that, um, Maidana gets mobbed by some fans, and then he goes to meet the press. They ask the standard questions like, do you think your conditioning needs to be better? Have you... Uh, been watching tape from the first fight. How much has your life changed since the first fight? Who hit harder, Mayweather or Broner? Maidana says that it's Broner. And then um, they are asked an interesting question. The reason I'm not playing it is because it's all in Spanish. You can't see this. It's not video. There are no subtitles. But um, somebody asks... The, uh, the Mayweather camp is accusing you of being a dirty fighter. Do you think they're doing this to get inside the referee's head? And Maidana says, maybe, or maybe it's because I'm a dirty fighter. But he also says that Floyd is a dirty fighter too, and that he's just doing what Floyd does. So Maidana eventually says goodbye to his wife and his newborn daughter, and then we make another transition back to the Mayweather Boxing Club, and Floyd gets a very unexpected guest or not unexpected to him, but the type of person you look like, oh, what are you doing here? He meets a man who embodies his true aspiration, investor Warren Buffett, whose net worth is nearly 70 billion. So they talk about how rich they are. They joke about, oh, you know, Warren's here to borrow some money from Floyd, ha 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 ha. And uh, then we get some sparring. It's an honor to meet Warren Buffett. I want to sit down with him, talk with him about some business. Only thing I want to do is continue to help the money team brand grow because we're growing every day. Let them know that whoever get caught recording ain't gonna get it away. So we only get to hear about the sparring. We don't know who he's sparring with. 
But uh, all we know is that a little bit of blood gets on Warren Buffett's suit. Oh no, and he paid so much for that suit. So afterwards, Floyd goes back to his house with uh, the lady people he works with who I don't understand what they do. And to be honest, I think that these women would have trouble knowing how to properly seal an envelope. But, um, well, basically we just watch them smoking pot. I'm not lying about that either. Yeah, all access. What's up, baby? We coming to you live. She knows she knows that's a problem. Man, y'all be getting high. Live life, safe, and drink a lot of alcohol. Woo! You cannot smoke unless you got on glasses. That's the new millennium. When you're smoking, you gotta have on glasses only. That's right. That's right, Shay. Get it right. Smoking that like Sam Rothstein. She cool while she smoking. It may be decriminalized in some places but it's not considered a training aid. While Floyd's permissive, he does not partake. This kind of shows that uh, All Access is running out of material for Floyd Mayweather. Because think about it. Haven't seen anything from Leonard Ellerby. You have not heard one crappy, stupid six-year-old rhyme from Floyd Mayweather Sr. about he's the best and the rest and the chest of a compressed... Oh, who cares? He can't rhyme for crap. You haven't heard from Roger Mayweather. You haven't seen Leonard Ellerby. They're running out of material because all they're showing is these ladies smoking pot, and I'm very certain that these ladies cannot afford to lose any more brain cells. In the previous episode, they're like they're showing Floyd just sitting there talking to the camera, and I can't rem remember her name, but this woman is sitting there, and she's just kind of staring off, or maybe staring at Floyd, but there is just this empty look on her face, almost as if she's trying to figure out who invented oxygen and what people breathed before they invented oxygen. Like, huh, like... I don't get it. What, like, what did we breathe? Like, I, I don't understand it. I'm gonna smoke some more pot. Uh, look, this podcast is running pretty long, and there's still a lot more episode to cover, so I'm gonna sum, sum it up as best I can. The Garcia family is watching the, uh, first mayweather Maidana fight. They're looking for ways to plan their strategy. Uh... You know, some people think that Floyd's going to run, but Robert Garcia believes, no, he, he won't be able to run because Maidana's going to be in his face all night, just like he was in the last fight. And we also see Floyd at one of his, uh, one of, not not a fight that he's in, but uh, it's um, one of the uh, Money Team promotion fights, and we see Jay Leon Love get knocked out and lose, and the episode ends with... So, is this a reminder that no one is invincible or an omen? Dun dun dun! I can't hold a note. Uh, anyway, that was all access. Let's get to the predictions for this fight, starting with Editor-in-Chief Justin Salvato. Now, as I said, I emailed Justin uh, yesterday and said, look, since we can't do the joint podcast together, uh, just email me your prediction. So, 
I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning today, and this is what I get. A lot has been going on in Mayweather's personal life these days. Former friends and business partners calling him, calling him out publicly on his ability to read can't be easy on his self-esteem. But like so many times before, Mayweather has a way to push his personal problems aside and focus on the task at hand, namely Marcos Maidana. Maidana made the first fight interesting by putting a lot of pressure on Floyd, but for all the aggressiveness he displayed, it was ineffective. Much of Maidana's attacks were of the illegal variety such as elbows to the top of the head or punches to the rear of the skull. While those would physically put a hurt on Mayweather, mentally Mayweather knew that the fight was won because rarely did Maidana land a clean, legal, effective punch. This time around, I expect Mayweather to not let Maidana get close at all, but instead keep him at the end of a jab and waiting for Maidana to rush in in order to land a counter hook. Mayweather, TKO 11. That's a very good prediction, um, very interesting prediction, but I'm sorry, esteemed leader, but I have to disagree with you. And b b before you start, uh, writing an email telling me, you know, your services are no longer needed, blah blah blah. I'm betting on Mayweather too. Except, I'm expecting this fight to be boring. Boring! As hell. I think this is going to be a replay of the Carlos Baldomir fight. I think Floyd is constantly going to be moving around. I think that he's just going to pot shot, let Maidana miss, lightly counter, and then get out of the way so that he doesn't get hurt in any sort of exchanges. I He also probably doesn't want to get punched in the junk so much this time. You forgot to mention that, Justin. I mean, a punch to the groin can hurt. I mean, what, what guy doesn't know that, but... Anyway, uh, no, I think that Floyd is just going to be on his uh, bicycle all night, going to be moving around the ring, pot-shotting, and unfortunately, he'll get the unanimous decision from scores of probably 119 to 109. 11 rounds to 1 for Floyd Mayweather. Yeah... See, I think it's going to be boring, but that's just the way I see it. I mean, Justin and I see it different ways. I think that uh, Floyd's going to avoid Maidana like the plague, but Justin thinks that Marcos can, or sorry, that Floyd can read Maidana like a book. Oh, wait a minute. Read him like a book. I don't think that's a very good, uh... I'm Floyd Mayweather, and I, I've, I'm Floyd Mayweather. And I've joined Heart Radio for the show. Your stripes. Your, okay. I'm Floyd Mayweather. Anyway, that's uh, our predictions. That's how we see mayhem going. And uh, I will be uh, live tweeting during the fight. I'll be covering it on Twitter. I'll be watching it from my favorite sports bar. And I'll do my best to have a post-fight report for uh, the next day. Shouldn't be any trouble. I'm still looking forward to the fight. I just wish the undercard was a lot, lot better. But uh, anyway, we're reaching the 40-minute mark. Let's get out of here while some of you are still awake. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us at www.boxingforfree.com, twitter.com slash boxingforfree, be like Eris Lara, Robert the Ghost Guerrero, Adonis Stevenson, and hundreds of others Follow us on Twitter. You won't regret it. 
Go to youtube.com slash boxing for free and facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Zoom, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, please give us feedback and a rating to let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time.